Good morning. Good morning, sons and daughters of the Most High God. Good morning. I am in the book of Psalms, the book of Psalms, Psalm 28. As you know, we're reading through the book of Psalms as a church family, uh, one psalm a day, and of course today will be Psalm 27. And 27 and 28 are great psalms. They go together really well, and if you are in one of those places where uh, you wish things would change, uh, these are two great psalms to read. So I encourage you to read 27 and 28 together. Uh, today, 27, tomorrow, 28. Psalm 28. So I just want to, uh, this, this message goes out on a podcast, and I just want to say something to the one man who listens to my podcast every week. Jeff, I just want to tell you, I appreciate you listening to my podcast. He called me this week and said, I just got to call you and tell you, well, that was a great sermon last week, and I just want to know, I want you to let you know how much I appreciate your messages being online. He said, I record all of them, and I go back and listen to them. I'm like, wow, that's something I don't do, Jeff, but thank you. <laughs> Psalm 28, Psalm 28, verse 1. To you I call, O Lord, my rock. Do not turn a deaf ear to me. Now, let's just stop for a minute. How many of you have ever experienced the silence of God? Have you? Okay. Okay, we all have then. We've all been in that spot where we've cried out to God, we've cried out to God for a certain thing to happen, and, and, and nothing, nothing. There's just silence from God in that part of our lives. Perhaps you've been praying for someone for a long time to come to Christ and, and be saved, and it's been weeks or months or years or decades for some people to come to Christ. I've heard stories of people praying for someone for 30 and 40 years before they find Jesus. And so maybe you have that silence in your life. Well, the psalmist did. This is David. This is David. This is a man after God's own heart. This is, this is a man who wrote a bunch of, bunch of psalms. We got a lot of them recorded. He was a great king of Israel, the greatest king of Israel, uh, just a mighty conqueror. He just did a lot of great things. He did some bad things. He did a lot of great things. And here's David saying, God, I you're silent. I sure would like to hear from you. It says, for if you, if you remain silent, I will be like those who have gone down to the pit. Okay, so it's like, if you won't talk to him. It's, it's going to be like I'm, I've died. And, and I no longer have a relationship with you. That's how he feels. He said, God, I just feel like if I don't hear from you, our relationship's over. And I don't want it to be over. I want to hear from you. Hear my cry for mercy as I call to you for help. As I lift up my hands toward the most holy place. <clears throat> now, maybe you've been in churches where people raise their hands. And we've got some in our church that raise their hands when we're singing. And you look at that and you wonder, what does that mean? Well, it can mean a lot of different things. It can mean I'm just lifting my hands saying, you know, praise you and thank you. The image I have here, and it could be interpreted several ways. But the image I have here is hands lifted up like my grandkids. All four of my grandkids. When, when I... When they were little bitty, you know, some of them are big now, but and now the little bitty ones are doing the same thing. When I walk in the room, they automatically walk over and do this. It doesn't matter what room I walk in, when they see me, they walk. The big kids still want me to pick them up, right? Can you still pick me up? I said, no, it's time for you to pick me up, right? <clears throat> when Ellie Grace was about five or six, I was holding her, you know, my hip like, a, like I do all the time, and I was holding her there, and I said, I said, I really like holding you. I said, uh, I said, how long are you going to let me hold you like this? She said, well, Papa, until I'm 50. I said, okay. I said, well, what happens then? She said, well, then I'll hold you. <laughs> Make 
me want to make me want to cry crocodile tears there. I, I think the psalmist is saying, oh, I just need to be picked up. Now, I know if you're an adult, that sounds kind of weird, but you were once a child. You were once a two-year-old, and somebody that you loved walked into the room, and you stuck your hands up. You don't remember it, but somebody remembers that in your life. You walked over and you lifted your hand because you wanted somebody to pick you up. Why? There's safety there. There's comfort there. There's a relationship. There's a connection there. And if all you do is hold that two-year-old and walk around for a day or two, that's wonderful. That's a great relationship. I can remember when Elijah was two, and I was speaking and preaching in another church, and it was a smaller congregation, smaller than this. It was a new church plant, <clears throat> and he wanted to be with his papa. He would walk down, hold his hands up, and I would pick him up and hold him right here and preach the whole sermon. And he would just kind of sit here, kind of watch what was going on and listen. <clears throat> it was a place of safety for him, a place of comfort for him. And so... Hear my cry for mercy as I cry for help. I lift up my hands toward the most holy place. I need you. I need you. Right? Do not drag me away with the wicked, with those who do evil, who speak cordially with their neighbors, but harbor malice in their heart. Ouch. That's the height of hypocrisy, right? You stand there at the fence, you know, and you're, you talk to the, the person over the fence, right? What was his name? Wilson. Thank you. You're talking to Wilson over the fence. I knew some of you remember. You're talking to Wilson over the fence, and you're acting like you like what he's saying. Oh, that's great. That's great. And inside you're going, I wish he would just shut up. I'm so tired of listening to him talk. David's saying, look, don't let me live with people like that. I don't want to be like that. I don't want to live with people like that. Don't, don't make me go there. Right? <clears throat> Repay them for their deeds. And for their evil work. Repay them for what their hands have done. And bring back upon them what they deserve. Since they show no regard for the works of the Lord. And what his hands have done. He will tear them down and never build them up again. Now he's not, he's not calling for vengeance here. He's not calling for his own vengeance. And there's a difference here. What he's calling for is divine justice. So God would you just bring some justice into this world? How many of you read the news this week? And cried out somewhere inside of you, God, bring some divine justice into this world. Because I don't see any this week. Where's the divine justice? David was, he's the, listen, he's the king of his own nation. And he's got these kind of people that live in his own nation. He's the king. He could dispatch soldiers to behead them in an instant. No trial, no, no jury, no, no what did I do wrong, just whack, you're done, you're dead. That's what a king could do. He had the right to do that. You see this? You see it, right? But he's crying out to God, God, you have divine justice on them. I, I could slaughter them. But God, I want you to do the right thing with them, whatever that is. And that's how we should pray for the people on Highway 24. <laughs> I'm sorry I bring that up every Sunday, but it's, it's horrible out there, right? It's a battle. God, have... <laughs> Divine justice. Where is a police when you need them? Have you ever said that? Right? Police when you need them. They're working on criminals much worse than what's on 24, right? Praise God for law enforcement. It says, since they show no regard for the works of your hand and what his hands have done, he will tear them down 
and never build them up again. I want you to know that a baby in a womb is the work of God's hands. And I don't know if you were as disgusted as I was this week about what went down in New York with their legislature. That a baby can be uh, a human being five minutes before it's born and then all of a sudden discarded five minutes before it's born. There's something wrong with people's heads and hearts. And then to stand up and cheer and clap and celebrate that on the floor of a legislative body, there's something demonic about that. Absolutely demonic. Since they show no regard for the works of the Lord, for his work, his labor, or what his hand has brought forth, he will tear them down and never build them up again. All right, so you got five, you got five verses of, of David laying out what's going on. And then there's a shift here. There's a shift in his thinking, a shift in his praying. His, something changes. The atmosphere changes for him. He's, he's poured out his lament. Okay, he's poured out his sorrow. This is, this is where I am. But something changes. And look what changes in verse 6. He says, Praise be to the Lord, for he has heard my cry for mercy. Listen, that's a great prayer. When, when you're at the bottom, when you're deeply troubled, when you don't know what else to do, just simply say, praise be to the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Some sort of blessing, some sort of praise. Just start there. That's what the psalmist said. It's bad. I'm not getting through. The fish aren't biting. My lures aren't working, right, that you made. You spent all that time making, right, fly fishing. They're not working. You just stand in the river. Daniel and say, blessed be the name of the Lord, right? That's a great way to start the day. If you wake up and the day's just really turned out bad, blessed be the name of the Lord. Bless your heart, brother. You got a broke tooth and two wisdom teeth pulled out this week. Man, if, it, if there was ever a person who needed to say, blessed be the name of the Lord, it's you, right? <laughs> Anybody has to go to a dentist, I'll say, you know, wow. Blessed be the name of the Lord. For he has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and I am helped. My heart leaps for joy and I will give thanks to him in song. It's a couple of times this phrase is mentioned about joy and crying out and so forth. And it's the it's the festal shout. What that means is you have a you have a banquet, you have a party, you have festivities going on and you get so excited you just want to shout out right this is really great we see it often at football games or baseball games or basketball games people shouting out yeah it's a great score it's a, it's a good slam dunk or it's a good pass you know we as a matter of fact it's amazing how much worship goes on at a football game you ever notice that you know we worship we worship all the time we give honor all the time to something right Right? We say stuff out of our mouth that's an act of worship. Worship means giving worth to something. And when you go to a ball game and shout out and scream for your favorite player or team, you're giving worth to that team. It's, it's worship. Not in the context that we think about from the Bible, but it's giving worth to something. There's more worship that goes on in a football stadium on Sunday than there is in most churches in America on Sunday. I mean, they pay 
They pay $100. You go to the Super Bowl, you're going to pay $5,000, $3,000 for a ticket. How many of y'all pay $3,000 to come here this morning? Come on now, work with me on this. I mean, really. I know the concession stand's a little bleak back there. We got coffee and we got coffee. But we got some flavoring you can put in there, like maybe three different kinds of flavoring, and some sugar and some Splenda. We've got water. We've got hot water and cold water. You can make some tea back there with the hot water. It's, it's still sparse, though, right? I mean, really, how many of you would pay $3,000 to come and worship in a church? We, we put our money where our mouth is, don't we? We worship. How many of you get here two hours early and tailgate before the church service starts? Right? Throw down on some barbecue ribs out there maybe and some slaw, some potato salad. Come on, work with me, Kenny. Come on now. Right? Right? Have a feast out there and then come in here and feast in here, right? I'm liking that, I'm liking that story pretty good. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. And so you're in charge. You came up with the idea. I know you will. <laughs> it's already done. and You've already mapped it out in your head. Worship. Worship. It's, it's a joyful shout. You know, how often do we get that happy about church, worship, singing praise songs? And you know where I stand on this. Worship is everything we do. The way you kiss your wife is an act of worship. The way you rake the leaves is an act of worship. Everything we do as Christians is an act of worship before the Lord. If it's not, what is it? Right? It's something other than what will honor Him. Everything we do is an act of worship as Christians. What about the festive shout? Now, I'm not... I'm not trying to get all y'all to shout. Don't, don't hear me say that. I mean, if you want to, it's fine. But I'm, I'm not saying I want all y'all to shout out right now. But w what's inside of us that makes us want to shout for God? David says, I just want to shout for God. Now, trust me, do it in your car. It's a great place where the windows rolled up. You won't, you won't scare anybody. But shout for God. You ever been to church service and everything gets going and, and all of a sudden somebody in the balcony has to shout out because God is touch their heart have you ever have you ever experienced that right it's kind of scary for a moment isn't it and then you go man i'd like to have some of that that's pretty good david he says my heart leaps for joy and i will give thanks to him in song right? the lord is the strength of his people a fortress of salvation for his anointed one hey if you've trusted in jesus christ as your lord and savior the Holy Spirit has come in. That's what salvation is, is you and the Holy Spirit becoming one, right? It's the Holy Spirit that brings salvation to us. We've talked about this, right? It's, it's the, he is the gift of salvation, right? That means you are anointed with the Holy Spirit. If you carry the Holy Spirit, there's an anointing in you, on you, around you, all about you. Whatever phrase you want to use, you don't get a Happy Meal portion of the Holy Spirit when you're saved. You get all the Holy Spirit. Therefore, you are anointed. And the Bible says the Lord is strength for his people. He's a fortress of salvation for his anointing one. It's talking about Jesus. Obviously, it's pointing to Jesus, but it's pointing to you also. If you're trusting in Jesus Christ and him alone for your salvation, you are anointed through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
And so he cries out, save your people and bless your inheritance. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. Now, this metaphor of shepherd used here in the Hebrew is royal shepherd. It's royal shepherd, not, not a plain shepherd, but a royal shepherd. It's the word that bunches up next to that Hebrew word implies a royal shepherd. We often think of shepherds as being lowly and outcast. But in the Old Testament times, they were somewhat revered because of the job they did. You know why? Because one of those shepherds was raising the lamb, the pure spotless lamb that would be sacrificed on the Day of Atonement. It was, a, it was an honor to raise that particular lamb. And so the priest would come through and say, have you got a perfect lamb? And he would look at all the lambs that were available that were considered perfect lambs. And he would examine them and say, this is the lamb that's perfect. This is the lamb that's going to be slaughtered. This is the lamb that's going uh, for the day of atonement. And that shepherd would go, that's my lamb. I'll raise that lamb. What an honor. What an honor. David cries out. He cries out, save your people, bless your inheritance, be their shepherd and carry them forever. For the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in dry grass. Isn't that what it says? What? Oh, green pastures. Right? He leads me beside still waters, right? For his namesake, right? He anointeth my head with oil, right? Isn't that what he says? He prepares a table in, in, in the very presence of my enemies. Right? Isn't that what he says? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord for a couple of years. Forever. What? Forever. Forever. Right? The Lord is my shepherd. David knew about shepherding because he was one. So here's my takeaways for the day. You might want to jot this down. This is really good stuff. Right? So what I find in this psalm is when you've had a bad day or a bad week or a bad month, when you've had that difficult time and God seems silent for you, let's be like David and, and let's do what David did, right? He started off with praise, but here, here's quickly six things. Number one, live as if your praise pleases him. David started off with praise. Live your life as if your praise pleases him because it does. When you praise God, in song or not with song, when you praise God with words or words with music, okay, both, of them are worthy, both of them are great ways to praise God. Live as if your praise pleases Him because it does. Because it does. Anytime you lift up words of praise to God, it pleases Him. It doesn't matter how childlike they are or how adult-like they are. Whether they're perfect words or whether you've got it worded correctly or whether it sounds like the preacher, none of that matters. It's just give God praise. So right now, in your heart, I want you to praise God. Just say, God, I want to thank you for something and just say it. All right? One, two, three, go. In your heart, say it. All right, now, live today. Live the rest of this day. As if what you just said to God pleased him. Because it did. Secondly. Live as if your prayers. Have already been heard. Because they have. You know we talk about my prayers didn't get any further than the ceiling. I want you to know. God doesn't live on the other side of the ceiling. Where does he live? He lives on this side of the ceiling. Right? Right? 
Because he lives where? In your heart. So when, when you're praying, prayers aren't going up to the ceiling and going through the cellotext and then going through the metal on top of that, the insulation, blah, 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 and then, and then going up another 600 feet or 6,000 feet or 6 million miles. With, no, 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 stop thinking that. Live as if your prayers have already been heard. As a matter of fact, God already knows what you're going to pray before you pray it. How cool is that? Parents, listen to me. If you're a parent of a child or a teenager, you already know what your teenager or child is going to do sometimes, don't you? Right? Before they even say it or do it, you know it. And you're already ready with, the, you're already ready with this speech. Young lady, you better not say what you're about to say. How do you know what it's going to say? I just know. Right? You call that thing out. God's the same way. He knows he's our father. He knows what we're going to say before we say it. Because he knows everything. So live as if your prayers have already been heard even before you pray it. It'll, it'll change the way you think. Hey, and you don't need long, elaborate prayers either. And you don't need to pray the same prayer over and over and over and over and over again. Now, you can if you want to. But God's not hard of hearing. Right? He doesn't have to write it down. Hold, hold, hold on, Christine. Let me get that. You want to you want to do what? What? I'm sorry. I didn't get. Could you repeat that again? Right? God's not hard of hearing. He doesn't have a hearing aid. He needs to turn up. He's got a great memory and great recall. Third thing. Live as if his promises have already happened. Live if his, as if his promises have already been fulfilled. So you're praying for someone to be saved. And you've been praying it for two years or 20 years. So you continue to pray and say, God, I, I thank you that Bob's saved. I just thank you that he's saved. I've Ask for him to be saved. And I've talked with you about this for 20 years now. I just thank you that he's saved. I, I trust that, that he's going to be saved. And so sometimes we have to live as if our promises have already happened. That's what David was doing. He's crying out for justice and all these things. He's saying, God, I, I know you're going to take care of it. I just know you're going to take care of it. Because the Bible says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. David knew that. He knew the promise was already there. He knew that God was going to take care of it. He already knew that. So he lived his life that way. The fourth thing, live as if you carry his power around with you. Because you do. Live as if you carry his power around with you. Because you do. You know, I'm guessing everybody has cell phones over the age of five. Nathan, you got a cell phone, buddy? Not yet. You want one? He has two what? Two Kindles. I don't even have a Kindle. Man. What's a Kindle? <laughs> I'm teasing. I know what one is. My wife has one, so I know that. That's about all I know. It's a Kindle. Most of us have a cell phone. How many of you carry around a backup battery source to your cell phone in your pocket? Anybody? Wow. Three people raise their hand. That's amazing. It's amazing, right? So you're carrying power around with you in addition to the power you have. We need to live as if we're carrying his power with us because we do. I went and prayed for a little one-year-old yesterday at Vanderbilt. A friend of a friend, kind of, it's a long story. I won't go into it. But uh, So I drove up there to pray for this child I, I didn't know the people but I wanted to go pray and it was 
And I prayed, and I was praying for this little baby to be healed, not really sure what's going on, a lot of things taking place. And, and she wasn't instantly healed while I was praying for her. At least I didn't see the evidence of that. And I left, and I was a little discouraged, thinking, I came up here, it, it didn't work. And I told God, I said, you know what, God? And I said, uh, I prayed in your name, not in Jim's name. I prayed in the name of Jesus Christ that this baby would be healed. So that's on you, God. I didn't say it arrogantly. I didn't mean it in any kind of way to tear God down, but it is. It's, it's in his name. When you pray in his name, it's on him. And he makes the decision about what he's going to do at that point. Our job is just to go take that power with us wherever we go and apply it. And so, once again, my declaration is I'm going to continue to pray that people be healed. Even if they're not healed in my presence, I'm going to continue to pray for people to be healed in the name of Jesus until I meet Jesus face to face. All right. The rest of it's on him. And we need to live our lives that way. We need to live our lives realizing everything's not on us. You don't have to carry all the burden that you carry. Matter of fact, it says in the scripture, casting all of your cares on him for he cares for you. Right? So we need to realize we're carrying his power around with us and now, we have the right to speak healing in people's lives. We have the right to speak comfort in, in, in people's lives because he's in us. And regardless of, the, regardless of the results, regardless of what happens, that's not on us. You, you share the gospel of Jesus Christ with somebody and they don't trust in him as Lord and Savior, that's not on you. You've planted the seed. That's on God. Let, let him work. It's in his timing. Let him work on that. Let him work on that person. And you trust him that you've done your part, right? And you trust him to do his part. That's what it means to carry God's power. It doesn't mean we're always going to see the results in our life that we want to see for praying over people or praying for ourselves. It just means that we know that God's power is within us to pray for people and to encourage them, and we should. Uh, the fifth thing, live as if you are one with him. Live as if you are one with him. You know, David cries out. He said, I, I, just, I just want to be one with you. I want to be, I want to be in your presence. I want to be with you always. That's, that's his cry. If you read Psalm 27 and 28 and you put these two together, it's just really powerful how David says, I just want to be one with you. And we need to live our lives as if we are one with him. And then the last thing is, is we need to live uh, as if we are walking. Every step is in his presence, right? And so when you sit down at, at lunch today, if there's an empty chair, have a meal as if Jesus is having that meal with you. I know it sounds a little crazy. But when you get ready to say the blessing of your meal, say, Jesus, uh, we're going to say a blessing. Would you like to join us in this prayer? Like you would anybody else. And Father, I just thank you for the, the soup. I thank you for the biscuits, you know, however you do it. And, and Father, I just thank you that Jesus is with us today. And I you know, hope he enjoys the meal with us. And live our lives as if we're walking in his presence every day. You know, that's, that's why we take communion. That's, that's, the, that's the essence of communion. There's a lot of religion that's been built around while we take communion. 
And, and that's fine. Every, every religion has its own take on that. But the essence of it, the, where it was started was over a meal. Jesus inaugurated, initiated, started the Lord's Supper over a meal with the boys, right? Guys, we're going to have a meal now. And as often as you drink this cup and eat this bread, uh, you show forth my coming, right? You honor me. Have a meal with me. So walking in his presence is just like that. It's having a meal with God every day. A literal meal, too, with God every day. Join me as we have this meal together, Jesus. Students, when you get to school, right? Julie, when you get to school, and you're sitting there, and the teacher passes out the test, and you don't know the answers. You say, Jesus, I, I need your presence, and can you give me the answers? And he's going to say, no, you should have studied harder, right? right? That's what he always told me. Jim, you should have studied harder, right? But you can experience his presence. He's in the classroom right before you take a test. Practice his presence. Just picture him sitting right beside you, wherever you are. So you go to the hospital room to pray. Just picture that Jesus is there, and he's praying with you. He's leading you in the prayer. Picture that. That's what David was trying to tell us. Save your people and bless your inheritance. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. We'll close with reading just a little part of Psalm 27. 27 verse 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is a stronghold of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though the war break out against me, even then will I be confident. One thing I ask of the Lord, and this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. And to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle. And set me high upon a rock. And then my head will be exalted above my enemies who surround me. At his tabernacle will I sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call the Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says to you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, O oh my God. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will gather me, is the better interpretation in the Hebrew. The Lord will gather me. Teach me your way, O oh Lord. Lead me in a straight path by my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desires of my foe. For false witnesses rise up against me, breathing out violence. I am still confident of this, that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart. Again, I say, wait for the Lord. Father, we wait for you to have your way with us this morning. We wait. We wait for you to have your way with us this morning. So so come, Father. Teach us, guide us, correct us, instruct us, comfort us, heal us, direct us, challenge us, encourage us. Do all the things that a good, good father does to us right now in this moment.
Jesus, thank you for making a way to our Father. And Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you for how you're at work in our lives right now. Come Holy Spirit, open the way for us to hear from our Father, to hear His words, His voice. Open that way for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.